Hey kiddos, welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional fathers. Uh, this week, I am joined by uh, author and writer, uh, staff writer at The Daily Dot, and co-author of Dad Magazine, uh, Jaya Saxena. Is that right? Is it Dad Magazine? I don't know why I suddenly like, faltered <laughs> yeah. there. No, it is. It's just, um, you know, it was funny because it was a thing on the toast, and then it became its own book. So, Yeah. A dad magazine. <laughs> yeah. So I thought like when I started doing this podcast, I um, I was thinking of people that I wanted to have on as guests at some point. And you were like really near the top of the list because like you have like a qualification that no one else I know has. Like you <laughs> have authored a, a text on dads. Like I, I've no, I don't think any of my other guests have that in their pocket. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so, uh, it's really funny because I feel like it was, it was such a fun book to write, but yeah, I just got to like study dads and make jokes about dads. It was pretty great. Well, I am all about studying and making jokes about dads here, um, at Dad Feelings HQ. That's kind of our, our MO. Uh, and when I asked you to be on, you had a few ideas and I think, um, we sort of sorted through a few of them and we settled on the dad in a 1996 movie that I think is best known for kind of launching the career of um, Mark Wahlberg and um, oh my God, who is the other, the other co-star? I literally just watched it. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Um, so, um, so that movie is Fear. Which, oh my God, I, so I will say I saw part of this movie in a hotel in Sweden in the mid 2000s. And this is the oh first time, yeah, I had no idea what was going on. I turned, tuned in in like the last 20 minutes and um, this, I watched the whole thing last night for the first time. And oh my God, this movie, like where do, where do we start? a ridiculous movie. Yeah. <laughs> I just think. My my ultimate theory about this movie, as I was trying to research the guy who wrote it, and I think it's true. Like, I'm like this had to have been written by a dad. Oh, absolutely. To me, because it just seems like this ultimate dad, like terror fantasy. Like I don't know. It just it basically seems like it's every dad's worst nightmare, <laughs> uh, but also every dad's like. Like, every dad wants to shove this in the face of his teenage daughter when she tries to date somebody, anybody. Yeah. Every dad is just being like, did you see what happened in fear? <laughs> because that's what's going to happen if you go out with this kid in your calculus class. <laughs> yeah. So should we do, like, a quick rundown of just, like, the events of the film? Yeah. Um, go ahead if you want to, but I can do it, too. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'll, I'll kick things off and then you can jump in. Um, so this yeah. movie takes place in Seattle in the 90s, and they remind you that it's Seattle in the 90s a lot. <laughs> um, and basically, this guy has like married this uh, this woman, and they each have one kid that they're bringing to this kind of blended family. And I thought that aspect of it was kind of interesting. And very nice. like, yeah, very 90s, <laughs> very <laughs> 90s like sitcom family. Um, <laughs> And uh, he's kind of, like, adjusting to this new setup. Because he also, I think, um, like, uh, Reese Witherspoon's character had been living with her mother and then just moved in with her dad. Yeah. 
Yeah. And like they live in this really, he's an architect because like every successful person <laughs> is an architect. I feel like there are just so many architects in TV and movies, like way more than actual architects mm-hmm. out there. Um, but he's this architect and they live in this beautiful, perfectly designed home uh, and with, you know, all these security systems and he's just, it's like this perfect home to protect his perfect new family. Um, and he's just like, I don't know. I feel like the dad, Steven, he's really into being, you know, sort of this dad and this protector of the family. Um, and then of course he has his teenage daughter, Reese Witherspoon, who's rebelling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I just, I, I find the film so funny because like, it also seemed like one that it was written by a dad and two that it was written by somebody who just like heard of Seattle in the nineties once and just like <laughs> ran with it. Cause like everything is just like grunge music and raves and crack. Like the, no, like these white kids in Seattle are not smoking crack. It's not what's <laughs> happening here. But yeah. like they heard everything that could possibly be happening in Seattle and just like, put it all in the movie at once. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, so the the kind of main antagonist, uh, David, he, he lives in this house with all these other boys who look like the extras in, like, a movie about a demonically possessed grunge band. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, like, Seattle up to 11. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> because, so, yes, the plot. <laughs> Yeah, so um, there's kind of this interplay at the beginning between uh, Stephen, the father, and Nicole, the daughter, and, like, she's rebelling and, like, not really, neither of them is, like, really sure how the relationship is, like, supposed to be because it's pretty uh, unfamiliar to them. And they're Mm -hmm. sort of, like, feeling things out. And um, so then she ends up meeting this guy, David, who seems, like, really sweet and... Um, uh, one thing that I picked up on was that she was kind of talking like in the first scene that like they really talk, she's talking about how like she was basically an emotional caretaker for her divorced mother Mm -hmm. and has sort of had to take care of people. And like, for me, what that represents like with the David character is like, they're, they really play on the whole like ownership thing, but like also on like the protection thing and like the sort of the caretaking thing too because like he initially is this guy who is like older than her like has a car is kind of almost like a a dad figure um like he is going to take care of her rather than her having to take care of him yeah yeah I think that's a really important part of it and it's so weird you know basically later on how that plays into the father relationship because it winds up being this ultimate battle between you know, the father who's supposed to be taking care of her and this boyfriend who initially seemed like he was going to take over that role and then turns into the worst person alive. Um, And actually, I think Mark Wahlberg won an MTV movie award for best villain that year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which, again, is a very 90s thing. Absolutely. (laughs) I think there was, um, and it, and it's funny, like watching it from this perspective now, sort of as an adult woman of being like, 
fuck you. I don't need like my dad or my boyfriend to take care of me. Um, but then remembering that feeling when you're a teenager and, you know, when it would be so easy to just like replace one man in your life with another. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it goes, it goes. Yeah. The scene <laughs> that kind of like is really the crux of the whole movie for me is when, uh, David sneaks into Nicole's room like after she's asleep and like goes through her like jewelry box and finds this bracelet that says daddy's girl. And then he just like gets this look on his face (laughs) and then they fuck for the first time after, like right after that shot. And it's just like, Oh, okay. You're really just like driving this home, huh? Like really just not going to let that subtlety (laughs) go by. And then later on, um, later on, Steven has like, after everything's escalated, and Stevens realized that David is like this like super predator guy. Um, Cause he really has no like, like background. It's he's basically like, Oh, he's from a broken home or something. Um, but there's no, he has no like characterization. He's just like a sociopath. Yeah. And they show him in this sort of like hovel with these other guys and maybe they're in <laughs> a gang or a drug dealer. Like they're just, bad guys yeah (laughs) but not like there's no specifics to like why they're bad they're just bad yeah um and he like lives on a cot and you know they show like a mug shot from before Mm -hmm, or something mm -hmm. and he's just like (laughs) bad (laughs) yeah and um yeah when steven is like has broken into their house and is like going through all of David's stuff. He finds a bracelet that David's had made that says David's girl in like the exact same font and everything as like the one from earlier. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's so funny. Cause I feel there was this one, I think one of my favorite scenes in it is there's this moment early on when I'm now forgetting the name of Reese Witherspoon's character. Nicole. Um, Nicole. Right. When Nicole brings David over to hang out at the pool. And there's this whole thing where the rest of Nicole's family loves David. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They think he's so cool and they think he's a good guy. And her stepmom is constantly telling Steve, like, why are you giving this guy a hard time? Nicole's happy. He's taking care of her. He's good. Um, And this whole thing And Steve's just sort of like watching this whole scene by the pool, looking super grumpy uh, and and really suspicious of this guy. Uh, And I just imagine, you know, I imagine this unfolding later with everything else that happens in the movie with then, you know, David basically going crazy and attacking uh, attacking Nicole's family and just being being generally terrible, where, yeah, for the rest of her life, her dad's going to be like, <laughs> and you remember the time <laughs> when you thought you had good judgment and I was the only one who knew something was up. And like, I just picture that all unfolding mm-hmm. in his head in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, how could he not? But that's the weird thing about, like, about the ending or, like, about the arc of this movie is, like, there's all of this build up to basically, like, a siege scene at the, like, the family fortress. Like, their house becomes this, like, prison for them with this gang and David, like, pressing in on them. 
and um, like they kill their dog, which is really horrible. And oh then, my god, that was <laughs> yeah. That's like to prove that he's really bad. Is he killed? Because he already killed some guy, but like no one really cared about him. Um, right. It was like he he killed like one of her friends, but no one cared about that guy. He, I guess, was smoking crack. And then, like, basically raped Alyssa Milano. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. that was the subject of that scene. But, like, none of that mattered. But then he beheaded the dog. And that was <laughs> the ultimate sign that right. he was the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, as if he didn't know that already. And then, like, so, yeah, like, the buildup is all to that. And, like, honestly, like, that buildup is brought to its conclusion by the fact that uh, Nicole's dad, like, takes this offensive um like goes on the offensive basically like because he tries to contact the cops a few times through the movie and like i was kind of reminded of like the beginning scene of the godfather like when that guy is like telling him about how like the cops won't help him and so he needs like the godfather's help it was like (laughs) he keeps like trying to get the cops to help and they're like oh we can't do anything he only assaulted your daughter in a bathroom like he only killed some boy, like what, whatever we've got more important Seattle crimes to take care of. Um, like, what can we do about a murderer? Yeah. <laughs> not, oh, our hands are tied. Murder is legal in this state. <laughs> like, um, but, uh, so he's like, all right, I've had enough. And just like goes into full cop mode. And the guy, William Peterson, he's on, uh, he was on CSI, right. Or law and order or something. Yeah. CSI. Yeah. I think, yeah. Like, Four different types of CSI. Yeah. And he like goes into <laughs> full cop mode. Like he has his aviators on. He's got like a, a blazer on and he like like breaks into their house, like their weird like forest gang house and like kicks down the door and then just like trashes the place, like destroys everything. And like that's the thing that like basically allows David to be like, okay, let's go like kill this guy and like destroy his house and like all this stuff. Um, and so like it's, this violence escalating throughout the movie, like back and forth between these like two male characters, which like it starts so the violent like I mean it's always been the the undercurrent of the movie, but like it gets so intense, yeah, and then it just ends. It just I ends. feel like that's also the thing. It just ends. Oh my god! It just ends like like the the climax like the the ending scene is like david is like doing this whole weird like marriage thing where he's like okay say like give away your daughter say goodbye to your dad and he's like gonna shoot him in the head and then she stabs him with like this pipe that he won her at the fair while like before he gave her like a roller coaster hand job to wild horses which was really weird <laughs> um, how is this that's like a whole the first time i saw this movie my friends did not tell me anything about it Mm -hmm. and just said that it's a movie where reese witherspoon gets fingered on a roller coaster (laughs) and i was like well that's hilarious and that's the 90s and then but i knew nothing else about what was going to happen in this movie (laughs) and then it just got so intense (laughs) yeah but yeah she she stabs him in the back with this weird faux Native American peace pipe thing. I think that's what it was supposed to be. I I couldn't even tell what that item was. Yeah. And then her dad like and then her dad shoves him out the window. And like spoiler alert, he dies. Yeah. 
And then the credits roll. That's that's it. I don't think there is <laughs> actually in the credits roll any dialogue between. Like I think the last line is the in the movie is Stephen like shouting, "Now you get out of here!" and like throws him out the window. And then it's just like they're all kind of huddling together. And then it zooms out and shows like the next morning. I guess like there's like cop cars and like ambulances and stuff surrounding the house. And then the credits are going, and it's like, <laughs> okay, I guess it's over now. Like kind of dropped off at like a like no no letdown huh just gonna leave us there okay and I mean I think that you know not that not that sort of a a horror movie or a a thriller like this not that its job is to reckon with the father-daughter relationship that it presents its job is to be scary um but I think this is why I feel like, you know, it was written by a dad or with this dad agenda so much because Steve never has to, like, think critically about his relationship with his daughter. Like, he never has to to reckon with the fact, like, oh, she's growing up and, and she's going to be dating people and she's going to be making choices and, you know, how do I protect her while still letting her be her own person and make her own decisions and, you know, or maybe, maybe help her to think about this guy rather than immediately go on the offensive and start trying to call the cops because my daughter was two hours past her curfew. Um, like the movie ends and I feel like basically the moral is just like, he was right all along and, and that's it. And everyone should have listened to him. Yeah, yeah. It's like an extended ad for like, you see what happens when you don't listen to your dad? (laughs) Exactly. And like, it's just great. And and there's no, there's no other addressing of that. Yeah. And it's just so I mean, it's just, it's the strangest film. (laughs) Like, it's weird, um, (laughs) because like, you get the sense almost that like, this is something that could have happened, like, like a hundred times before, but like the guy was just like maybe kind of skeevy or maybe it's totally fine. But like, maybe this is just how he reacts to like literally everyone. And like, this is the one time yeah. when he's like, you see, you see. And like, fair, <laughs> like, you know, you want to, you want to stop those kind of Mark Wahlberg dog murder incidents before they happen. But like at what cost? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I mean, it pays, it pays to be careful Certainly. But it's this funny thing where like you there's something was like when they start attacking, he presses this button and there's just like this this fortress comes down mm-hmm. around their house. Like they have this security system that's just like, you know, these like gates come down over their windows and they live in this protected gated community. Uh And it seems, you know, extremely paranoid. And of course, right, this is the one instance where, like, you'd love to have gates on your windows for when, (laughs) you know, a gang of four, like, hyper-strong 20-year-old dudes (laughs) are, like, like, pounding down your walls to attack your family. Like, yeah, that would be helpful. But literally any other day it's total overkill right yeah when those grunge fueled (laughs) 
shaggy maniac <laughs> come con. Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like there are, there are responses that seem like uh, kind of appropriate though, like earlier on in the film too, before things get like, before things escalate, like there are kind of these little things that are like, oh, th- these are actually like really good things that he's doing that he's like noticing that other people don't seem to like there are two things that come to mind one was like um had nothing to do with david but um his wife um says that like he's like or she's like shouting at nicole when she gets home late and she's like take your makeup off you look like a slut and like he's like really pissed off about that and I'm like, yeah, good, good for you. Like that is a good thing that yeah. you are like that. Hey, that's not okay. You can't say that. Um, and then later yeah. on, um, when he like one of the first times he meets David, I think, like um, they're in one room and Nicole's in another, and David's like, "Hey, babe, give me a coke," and like doesn't say like please or doesn't ask her to do it. It's just like a command. And like there's this like sharp look where like Stephen's like, what? Like, what was that? And like, yeah. it's just like this <laughs> subtle thing that like, I think so many people would just like ignore or whatever. But like, obviously they're trying to build up that he's kind of like paranoid. But, um, but yeah, like there's this, this character is weird, right? Cause it's like, I don't know, like this, the whole movie is just kind of like an advertisement for like security culture and for like, <laughs> like, da- like the benefits of dad literally being able to watch you all the time. Like he has like surveillance cameras in his house, like, or like outside, like, and it's like, I guess maybe he would be an okay dad. Like, it seems like he's like making steps towards being like an all right dad, like in normal circumstances. But like now because of this, he's just like, like, see, like I'm right. I won. Yeah, I just, you know, I, at the end of the movie, I just kept thinking about what this family was going to look like afterward. Yeah. Um, cause also there was like his, uh, his stepson who's like 10, who kills who winds guy? Up, like dry, who kills guy. <laughs> like that kid's going to need some therapy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like, I just imagine like, you know, poor Nicole after this, because, okay, all of us have been in shitty relationships and all of us have made some bad decisions. And like plenty of us have even gotten into abusive relationships and situations where like you needed somebody's help to get out of. But I just like, I just so feel for her trying to go to college or like just trying to date somebody again. And not only having to get over her issues of like, well, the last time I tried to date a guy, he tried to kill me and my family. You know, I'm sure that leaves a lasting mark. And, you know, you try to you try to trust your own instincts again. But like, even if she does, her dad the entire time <laughs> is just going to be like a dick about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like... Ugh. I just, I was so worried for her. Like, how is she going to bring home any other guy <laughs> and, and her dad not just like be, you know, cause he's only going to get worse and more paranoid and more vigilant about stuff. And like the poor guy she tries to bring home, like assuming she just brings home some nice, normal dude. 
<laughs> then it's going to just be, oh man, it's just going to be <laughs> terrible for everybody. Yeah, this family has some like lasting damage that I think is the reason why that, why that like cold cut, like the closing just like feels so weird. It's just because like, yeah, like you're right. It's a thriller. It's not meant to explore like the kind of impacts that the events have on people afterwards. But like, damn, man, like everyone's real messed up. Like everyone in that, no one in that family has been untouched by violence. Like everyone has committed like, like the, the, um, God, I can't remember her name. Laura. The which one? Um, his wife, like, uh, I think her name's Laura. I can't remember. It's like hard to remember any character's name in this movie just because they're all like stock figures, like dad, mom, daughter, boyfriend, like little brother, um, friend played by Alyssa Milano. (laughs) Um, but like even the mom, like, like drills into someone's hand like he's trying to reach through the door and she just like takes a power drill and just like goes to town on him like everyone in this family is going to be real messed up for a while yeah yeah oh my god i forgot about the power drill yeah (laughs) that's like somebody you something you never want to have to do to another person yeah (laughs) oh my god and poor Alyssa milano oh my god yeah this like she you know wherever her dad is I don't know but Alyssa Milano's just like you know had to live through that entire night with the family and I guess had been smoking crack at the other house for a while like she's had a hard time well yeah like that's actually (laughs) I hadn't really thought about that until now but she doesn't have a dad in the movie and like she she mentions living with her mom and like her mom going off with like like gross guys who have a lot of money and are gonna buy her stuff and like i think there's a case to be made that like Alyssa milano is what happens to reese witherspoon without a dad like that's what the movie is like is showing is like without a dad like you go off to like the grunge house and smoke crack and like your boyfriend is this horrible bearded man and everything goes terribly for you. Yeah. Because, um, right, there's also the whole thing where Alyssa Milano's trying to hit on Steve. Yeah. Or, just, yeah. I mean, not even fully hit on, but just sort of like she's, you know, hiking up her skirt and she's she's being a little flirtatious and mm-hmm. whatever. And, yeah, I think she's supposed – you're right. I think she's supposed to be what happens to Nicole without a dad. Yeah. <laughs> Which is – you know, she's cutting school and she's doing drugs and she's having sex and she's, you know, just the everything a dad fears that their their teenage daughter is going to do. Um, but it's just so like, <laughs> yeah, this this movie was just this is made for dads. This is a PSA for dads about why to buy that specific security system that they have installed <laughs> in the house, <laughs> whatever it is like. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just so much about dad's sort of paranoia in it, uh, which is a funny thing. You know, I feel like when we talk about dads and dad culture right now, um, so much of it is sort of funny stuff and these sort of 
sweet dads and, and dad jokes and lighthearted stuff. Um, but I don't know, I guess, yeah, <laughs> when, when you first contacted me about this fear seemed so fundamentally dad, but in this completely opposite way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I talk a lot about on this show about, um, what kinds of fantasies media provide us about dads. And I think really this movie is more of a fantasy for dads. Like you were saying at the beginning, it's like both like the kind of greatest fear, but also this like, it's a fantasy of like being your family's like ultimate protector. Like when the police fail you, like the state fails you, technology fails you, like at the end of the day, you have to use your bare hands and like get messy and like throw Mark Wahlberg out a window, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, right. I feel like this is the the sort of more realistic, I mean, not very realistic, but the more realistic version of those movies like Taken or like all those Harrison Ford movies where he's just trying to get his family back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like it's, it's that same vein where it's, you know, a dad protecting his family, but instead of... Liam Neeson running around Europe fighting off gangs. I don't, I've actually never seen those movies. (laughs) I don't really know who he's fighting. (laughs) It's like, I think, you know, your average dad can watch this movie and be like, I have a white collar job too. Like I live in a house with a family. I could like, I could do that. That could be me. Exactly. (laughs) Though I feel like the bracelet thing So obviously David's girl is like a creepy bracelet to have. Like I would not want, I don't know, maybe this is my taste. I would not want anyone I'm dating to give me a piece of jewelry that like brands me Mm -hmm. as theirs. Mm -hmm. But like in the same vein, I feel like the daddy's girl bracelet is sort of creepy. Well, I mean, I feel like at the root of that is the fact that, um, that saying daddy is appropriative of daddy culture. And, um, you know, um, there's a rich tradition of, of people saying daddy. And, you know, if you just go around, you know, if straight white girls just say daddy, then that's just, it's really (laughs) cultural appropriation is what it is. Is that, is that bracelet appropriating daddy? I mean, (laughs) yeah, I think this was, it's pre-appropriating. Um, <laughs> this is a rare case of pre-appropriation, but, um, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, we really want to tackle the important serious social issues on this podcast, but, um, no, you're absolutely right. That's creepy as hell. Right. Like, and it's like, oh my God, that reminds me of something else when, um, oh, David leaves, like David smashes up Steven's Mustang and leaves a note on it that says, now I've popped both your cherries. And it's just like, and that's just like, <laughs> what? What? That's so weird. That's so gross, guys. But, like, but also, like, what is that? What does that mean? Because, like, okay, I know, I know pop your cherry in the, like, I had sex with your daughter way. Yeah. And that's like a, you know, threat to to her father because virginity culture and all that stuff. But like, what's the second cherry? His car? I guess his car was red. Is that car slang? I don't know about like, I don't 
Like, <laughs> like what's the other Jerry? It's his other like prized possession, I guess. I get it's just Mark Wahlberg is using that slang wrong. He also spells cherries really interestingly. <laughs> He's just I mean, right. Mark Wahlberg is not the smartest guy out there, I think. But um also, yeah, it's just like is that before or after the the smacking his chest scene? Oh, it's after. Oh, right. Because that, I think that was also one of the iconic scenes from the movie. Um, which is totally, that plays into the sort of dad paranoia of like, nobody's listening to me mm-hmm. thing. Because Mark Wahlberg, right, punches himself in the chest enough to make it look like uh, Reese Witherspoon's dad punched him and then uses this with Reese Witherspoon of like, your dad attacked me. And she's like, dad, how dare you? Uh, And he's like, no, I've been framed. Police. Can't you do anything? Can anybody do anything? (laughs) And so it just, (laughs) it just builds up the idea that like everyone's out to get dad. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Dad mm -hmm. will have his vengeance. Yeah. Well, dad will have his vengeance. That's like the subtitle of fear. (laughs) I just, I really wish the original posters for this was like, because the original poster just says fear. And I forget what the tagline was, but it's like Mark Wahlberg staring menacingly at the camera while hugging Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> but I really yeah. wish oh my God, I'm looking at it, it was now, yeah. fear. And then it had William Peterson and it just said <laughs> like, don't wake daddy. <laughs> <laughs> He's not like, even on the poster if he really should be. It's not, no, because it's just about them. But I think in in my perfect alternate universe, <laughs> that would have been the poster. Oh my god! Can I read you the the like some of the songs that were used in the the film that just like hit home yes. how Seattle nineties this is? Um, so <laughs> there were multiple Bush songs. There's <laughs> a Toad the Wet Sprocket song. Oh yes. Uh. <laughs> There's actually a Marky Mark song. Is there? Yeah, apparently. Is that like two on the nose? It's called The Illest. Oh my God. Yeah, it's the song that like is playing when he's sitting in this like in that weird coffee shop waiting for her to show up. Um, and then they play Wild Horses like twice. Yes. And the, the cover of Wild the Horses. Cover, yeah, I forget yeah. who does it. The Sundays. The Sundays, right. And it's so, oh my God, it's just so... It's so much. I do love that. That it's like, okay, this takes place in Seattle in the nineties. What can we do to make it feel that way? Uh and we can't afford Nirvana. It's like, well, what about multiple bush songs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Um that uh that cover of Wild Horses was also in a Buffy episode, I think. Really? Yeah, I think it was oh. in like a prom episode or something. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know. It was very just like it has. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's traveled. Also, aside from dads, I want to say that like with the scene of Nicole getting fingered on the roller coaster, can I just say that sounds like a terrible idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like roller coasters like jerk around a lot. You make a lot of sharp turns. Like, Mark Wahlberg doesn't seem like the type of guy who would file his fingernails down. They seem like they'd be a little jagged. Like, that sounds really painful. 
No, but if they weren't on the roller coaster, how could they get that great, subtle, metaphorical imagery of going up the <laughs> the climb and then hitting the peak? Like, that was so subtle and great and well done. My God. It's just like, no, and I just, you, I can just imagine how many teens tried to, like, recreate that. Oh, no. Like, thinking that would be really, <laughs> but you're just like, no. Teens, oh, don't do that. Teens, stop it. <laughs> teens, don't. Because you also know, like, right, if fingering, right, there would be all that stuff. And then it's like, you know, and if you try to recreate that with a penis as well, it's just like probably some pulling, probably some like, oh, I just seem like some torsion. I don't know. It seems like this would be a bad choice, no matter your genitalia. And just like save it for the Ferris wheel. That's like a yeah. nice, gentle. That's a classic sexual activity fairground ride like don't have sex on a roller coaster (laughs) like you don't have to make this any crazier than it already is yeah like i think the the main thing that we've all taken away from this movie is like don't have sex on a roller coaster teens (laughs) the end well maybe that's a good place to to wrap things up yeah i don't i think that's the core message of the film so we really got there we really i think so i'm I'm so glad you watched it. I was loving your tweets yeah. about it today. The cherry pop and daddy's one <laughs> fucking killed me. <laughs> <laughs> that is really what this film is about, though. It is. It is. Fun fact, the cherry pop and daddy's got their name as an ode to this film. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess um, don't have sex on a roller coaster. Don't say daddy. Don't wake daddy. <laughs> uh, don't date Mark Wahlberg in 1996. And uh, probably ever. Um, and yeah, um, do you want to tell people your Twitter and stuff so they can find you on the Yeah, online? everyone can find me on Twitter at, uh, at J-A-Y-A-S-A-X. Uh, I make some good jokes, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a tweet about dads. We'll be yeah. good. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for being on. Um, I really appreciated you lending your dad's expertise to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to hear how it turns out. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I will talk to you later. And um, yeah, I will see you next week. Or you will hear me next week, listeners. Bye, kiddos. Dad Feelings is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by Nick Bravo for Stay Mean. Stay Mean is listener-supported. If you appreciate the shows we make and want access to bonus episodes and other perks, support us at dadfeelings.com support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz off their album, Foil Deer. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuy. Thanks for listening. Be good, kiddos.